I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk about that. You don't have to tell about your specific experience, but you can be like, hey, this is what you watch out for. This is episode 75 of the Alt Arts Academy podcast, How to Open a Comedy Venue with Dean Victor Barnado and Vice Queen Roxy Lim. It's the Arts Academy Podcast. I am your host, Dean Victor Varnado, uh, with my co-host, Vice Queen Roxy. Our special guest today is Rebecca Tritt. She is a venue owner of the Creek in the Cave uh, in New York and also the owner and runs the Creek in the Cave in Austin. Uh, also, she is the founder, one of the founders, and the comedy booker for Skankfest, uh, which is a big festival that a lot of comics want to jump in and uh, get seen in. All right, now... What we're talking about today is opening up a venue. Now, if you're a comedian, uh, there may be a time in your life when you're like, hey, I straight up want to open up a venue, or maybe you're interested in more of the producing aspect. Now, there's a lot of different ways, we, a lot of different ways and different things we can call a venue. Venues can travel. For instance, there are people who have like private shows which have their own name and are kind of venues because like they have a name, they have a ticket, they have ticketing, and they, but they go from place to place. And then there's straight up just like opening up a venue, paying your rent, and uh, actually making a brick and mortar business place run. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about both of those, but first of all, let's talk about the brick and mortar place because that I think you have a ton of experience in. So if you were going to open the venue uh, from scratch, okay, so we're talking to a person who's just walking in off the street. Uh, let's answer a couple of questions that I might have. How much money okay. do you need to get started? Um, these days, uh, depending on how big the space is and what it is that you want to do, I would say between four hundred and six hundred thousand dollars between four hundred and six hundred thousand dollars to get started opening up a venue now the creek did not cost that much uh the mm -hmm. creek in new york did not cost that much but the reason was because i was able to buy something as a turnkey and i slowly turned it into the creek right like we slowly did innovations we had a kickstart that was started by nick turner um uh and we did a fifty thousand dollar renovation about four years into ownership mm -hmm. and um there's there's a slew of things that you have to have um depending on where you are it takes anywhere from two weeks to as long as nine months to get a liquor license mm -hmm. it's very difficult to do uh you know if you're going to do byob but you can't do it without alcohol right okay. um and you, the venue itself you have to build as many i i believe i have to build as many revenue streams as possible inside of my venue in order for it to remain viable um and uh, so that involves like extra stuff like pinball machines and some people um, charge comics for tapings, which I think is a terrible thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, just like any kind of little tertiary revenue stream, um, you have to, I, I, you know, it's really helpful if you know an electrician and a contractor and folks that can help you with the building because I'm, I'm certainly not skilled in those, in those worlds. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, for a space that's just like a shell that you're adding stuff to, you, mm-hmm. you're going to need, you're going to need $200,000 more than you think you're going to need. So if you think you need 200,000, then you need four. If you think you need 400,000, then you need six because your ideas, my ideas are always more expensive in the reality than they are in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then are there ways to skirt around that? For instance, like, um, if you, if you, uh, teamed up with a venue that is already operating, like if, if you team up with a restaurant and they have like mm-hmm. a, a back room, like, I, I know that there's a Cap couple of comedy clubs that, yeah, cabin was like that. And so was, um, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? The, the village underground or village lantern. Isn't that right. the way that was set up as well? Yeah. Um, it's like a the, downstairs. Yeah, and so and so with spaces like that, like the overhead is much lower to get in, get started. Um, in theory, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if you're not taking over all operations and you're just one, running one room inside of a venue, obviously you just have to pay for the mic stands and make sure the stage is good and that there's a really well appointed green room. Mm-hmm. Is that the, is that a thing? What like you would recommend? Like if people wanted to like maybe stair step their way into opening up their own venue. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, I feel like, I feel like if anybody really wanted to open up their own venue and they wanted to hit me up privately for advice, I'd be happy to give it to them. Um, mm-hmm. But partnering, partnering with people is tricky. It always is. Well, that's, and I mean, working, talk about that. You don't have to tell about your specific experience, but you could be like, hey, this is what you watch out for. Vampires. Well, this is, a, this is, <laughs> you know, they're bad and they're everywhere. <laughs> Um, this is the first time that I've ever actually, I mean, like, I was the single owner operator of the Creek in the Cave for 14 mm-hmm. years and four months. So, this is the first time that I've ever been beholden to other people's opinions and had to run things through other people. And um, there are times when I really like it because it allows us all to sort of have shared accountability. And there are other times when I don't like it because it, um, it means that I can't just run with something that I want to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm a very, like, once I get a thing in my head, I just want to, I just want to execute. I want to execute it immediately, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. So, um, lone wolf. So if, yeah, you know, I mean, I came to comedy for a reason, right? Um, yeah, because you like so, to hang out with the road dogs. I love comics. <laughs> comics are my favorite people <laughs> on the planet. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I think that when folks move into a room, oftentimes what they have is an ownership relationship where the owners don't really care. And then once you start making that successful, they start to like, hmm. I could have done that. And it's like, it becomes like a kind of weird situation. Like we ran into that with cabin before cabin was closing down. I mean, and the truth of the matter is I would go there on off nights when comedy wasn't going on and there was nothing going on. I would go and play pool with Rojo and we would just go like, they've had, they've four PR since we've been here, you know, mm-hmm. to us. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I think that oftentimes you run into, um, resentment when you, you walk into pool? somebody else's business and you're really, yeah, I, I, you beat me, but I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good. I'm okay. I have my own pool cues. We used to have nice. a pool table at the Creek. I had, I had to get rid of it when, um, improvisers started, um, rattling off house rules to the, um, bicycle mechanics or the motorcycle mechanics that used to come uh, in as regulars. Uh, uh, uh. And one of the, one of the mechanics, like, like seriously, the movie just broke the stick over and started menacing somebody and i was like all right now i gotta get rid of the pool table i'm sorry you guys nerded <laughs> it up too much gotta go uh, that's really funny i'm sorry um, to interrupt you but i just love pool no, obviously okay. you know that yeah i know uh, please so you were just talking about like uh like even even in cabin you had the same issue where sometimes like when, yeah i when mean it just no it, show there nothing it builds was happening. resentment and also like honestly 
being a venue owner is really, really, really hard, right? Like I spent the last four years basically super depressed, not knowing what I was going to do, how I was going to get this thing sort of like back on track. And you and I talked about this for hours and hours. And I think that if somebody had rolled in and been like, I'll do it, I would have probably hated them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just, I feel like there's a, there's a certain amount of, um, it's just delicate. It's a delicate relationship. So I wouldn't say don't do it, but it's way better to just, uh, you know, be rich and buy a venue and then make it yourself. That's e that's oh, yeah. the easiest way to go. <laughs> yes, you want to open a My venue? first piece of just advice: being is rich. rich first. <laughs> uh, that would be great. So, so let's say let's say you've gone as far as like you've got a space that you're calling your venue. Now, uh -huh. uh, what are the th what are the plates you need to keep spinning? If it's not like a whole venue, uh, let's let's talk about it just. Let's talk about comedy club, not comedy club restaurant first. Okay. Um, let's see. You have to establish policies. Uh, you have to, well, you have to have staff that's trained that knows how to deal with artists. Um, you have to, um, and I mean, in New York, every place is different. So you have to go through and figure out what your permitting rules are and all that stuff. You have to get good lighting. You have to have good sounds. Mm -hmm. um you have to build a stage in my estimation it needs to be elevated it has to be big enough for a comic to move around it needs to be mm -hmm. big enough for a comic to have a band um it needs to be big enough um for um murder fist that used to be my rule it always has to be big enough for murder fist if the stage is big enough for murder fist then it's big enough for everybody right because they were a group of like 12 people or like it was a roving group so it was like sometimes i had eight sometimes i had 12 but everybody would be on stage at the same time doing sketches um uh, and I, I feel like uh, um, a lot of times uh, folks will create a comedy venue that's very viable, very good, but the stage itself will be like six feet by four feet or something like that. And they're just trapped mm -hmm. on the stage. And that affects your ability to act out. It affects your ability to do crowd work. It affects, it affects your ability to move around. So making sure that you're creating a space that's comic forward for me has always been the thing that works the best. Mm -hmm. which means addressing the green room, which means making sure that you have um, a stool on stage, making sure that you have like those basic things that a comedian who's coming off the road or a comedian who is accustomed to doing spots throughout the city can come to it and go, oh, this is a decent space. It's a good space, right? Um, mm -hmm. Weird lighting has to be addressed. You can't have like bright lights in the audience. You and I know this stuff sounds like no brainers, but you and I have both been to tons of clubs that are just like, Sometimes the audience has to be behind the bar and the stage is 40 feet ahead of the bar. And it's like this crazy sort of disconnect and the audience needs to be close, you know, um, six feet away, but close. Right. Right. Um, and uh, uh, the flooring is really important. Um, in New York, we used to have a rubber floor so that if somebody passed out or fell or something like that, it wasn't super loud. If somebody dropped a plate or, or, or a fork or something, it wasn't rattling. Um, I think that that's super important right now. I have cement floors in this place that I am going to address soon, I hope. Mm -hmm. um, um, and you have to have a really good tech person. If you don't have a good tech person, you can't have a good show, period. So getting somebody who's like, yeah, I'll do it for free. I just really like watching comedy, like that kind of stuff. It doesn't work. And it's never worked for me. Um, and I was really lucky in New York to have tech people that were beloved. And I'm hoping that that's the same thing that happens with the tech folks that we're working with here. Um, mm -hmm. But they have to be paid. 
and they have to have an investment in the shows. If they're not paid, they won't have an investment in the shows, and then you're going to get whatever you get, you know? Right. And it's a lot easier to yell at an employee than a volunteer. Um, without going... Hello, kitty cat. <laughs> without going... Hi, yeah, this is Miles. Hey, everybody. There he is. Yeah, what are you looking at, Miles? Okay, so without going too deep, I will say that, you know, there are other things that we didn't really touch on, uh, but we... Sh but maybe we could touch on just a little bit. There is like the thing about um, hirings or, or uh, uh, I, I would say security, but it's not exactly like, you don't have to have like a giant security guard, but, but it's, it's one thing is about when you, when you have any sort of venue, you are somewhat responsible for the people there. A hundred percent. You're responsible yeah. for the people's safety there. Yeah, exactly. And so that means that you have to either foster an environment where you don't need a giant security guard or mm -hmm. you have to have a giant security guard. Like when the when the guy broke the stick and was threatening people, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> this is my club. You can't yeah. do that here. Yeah. And we didn't. And, we, and the truth is that we never had security in New York. Now, in the mm -hmm. location that we're in in Austin, um, it's it's a little bit more of a challenge uh, because we are dealing with um, about a block away from us is the, from what I understand, it's the largest in downtown or maybe the largest in the entire city. Um, it's a homeless shelter. So there's a oh. lot of coming and going. And then a block on the other side, like a half block down on the other side is where the showers are set up for homeless folks to take a shower. So our block is in particular, probably the most walk on traffic that we get is homeless people. And, um, well, clean homeless people. So, because the dirty well, ones don't go to the shower. It depends on which direction they're walking from. Um, oh, okay. But, um, but we, uh, so we do have a security team and we have already had to bounce people um, uh -huh. from the shows. Uh, that's on Tuesday. We had to bounce two people because they wouldn't stop talking. And uh, another audience member got really upset and kicked their chair and made them spill their beer and they decided to fist fight over it. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> now, typically when it's a headliner situation. Um, you know, certainly Sean, uh, Patton was here two weeks ago and he got heckled a little bit. Todd went on stage yesterday and he called out a couple people for talking. If you do it from the stage, typically you have much more success, right? Because everybody mm -hmm. agrees we're here to watch the show. And if this guy's calling me an asshole, then maybe I should shut them up. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, we did have to bounce people. We do have a security, um, team of, uh, I think five or six people right now. And we try to have two to three people on um, on the weekends at all times because there's a lot going on in this neighborhood. And, um, you know, when Nate had his show a couple weeks ago, um, this really delightful family that I talked to while they were waiting in line, they brought two of the, their two little kids with them. They had a, a 10 year old and a 12 year old with them. They were walking um, through the back alley to go to their car and somebody jumped out and just scared the crap out of them, just jumped out from behind a like a bush or something and was like, give me your money. Blah, blah, blah. And our security team was able to run out and go, no, leave them alone and escort them to their car. And oh, I think that it's, it's important for people to um, feel um, safety from the venue. And it's our job to make sure that they're safe, not just in the venue, but in the vicinity of the venue. So mm. we're making sure that if anybody wants it to get escorts, if anybody is differently abled or if anybody is pregnant, we always offer them to not have to stand outside in line. We try and bring them inside if they have a support, an, um, an emotional support dog or a medical support dog with them. We try and make sure that they get inside sooner rather than later. 
Um, and, um, you know, because we do, we have a responsibility, not just for the safety, but also for the comfort of our of our folks that come to enjoy uh, comedy. Because a lot of times we're dealing with people who it's their first comedy show. And the learning curve, like, and, and unlike going to a concert, if you have a bad experience at your first comedy show, I've noticed that people will just decide, oh, this isn't for me. I like comedy. If you have a bad experience at a concert, you'll still even, you know, you may have not had a good time at um, Lisa Loeb, but then you go to uh, Coldplay and have a great time or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not nice. like you're going to like give up on music. I, I'm not a fan of Coldplay. I don't know where that came from. I should have said Nickelback for the punchline. But, um, but, uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that people will give up on comedy very quickly. And that's a revenue stream that every comedian wants, right? That, that person spending money in a club is something every comedian wants to have happen. So shutting on an audience or telling the audience that they're wrong and bad isn't necessarily going to be good for anyone in the long run. So I don't really like to see that, but that was more for the last episode probably. Now, this is actually kind of a hybrid between uh, this episode and what we were talking about last episode. So if you're, say, a comedian who is also producing your shows and you want to approach a venue owner to get a night, what are things you could tell that owner to get them to be like, yeah, this is a good deal? Uh, the first thing you do, uh, the first thing I always do is I ask them what their worst night of the week is and pick the worst time slot possible and just tell them that I'm going to build that up and that they have to give me three months or six months or whatever. If it's a monthly, it needs to be three to six months. If it's a weekly, then it needs to be like two months to build it up and then let them make a decision on whether or not it's something that they, that they really enjoy. Um, I've had a lot of success with that. Um, I've had mm -hmm. a lot of success with that in a lot of different venues. Like people will come to you and be like, thank you. I feel like you're saving the business and that kind of stuff. Um, but Finding out what the venue itself needs first, besides instead of just coming in and going, you know what you should do. It, that's that's the best way to go is to ask them where where they're that where they feel like maybe their um, clientele is falling short a little bit, and how you can help um, create more of a destination space for them. Awesome. That's actually that's great. That's great advice. I think just because like I think uh, approaching people where like they have a night that's not doing well and you can turn that around that's uh that's an amazing tactic i think that there's people out there who will love that all right so if you are out there watching and you have a question then you can ask your question right now uh otherwise we are just about to wrap this up i guess i guess uh for me i think you've answered all my questions i think that the one thing that we haven't talked about is marketing yeah, yeah for a venue what did you say? Um, mark marketing is huge. And I feel like when you go to a venue and you tell them you want to do a show, you need to also include exactly how you're going to promote and what you're going to do and who you're going to be reaching out to so that they have a sense of what kind of audience you're going for. Mm -hmm. um, it also helps them influence like cross promotion. Um, and ultimately if you don't have a marketing plan, you don't, you, you should not be approaching people. Yeah, if you don't have a plan to get people in the in the door. Yeah. Yeah. I, if your I, whole I know thing people... is is that I know six comics, let's go do something, then that's not robust enough for anyone. Yeah, to probably ask to. probably the same uh crew that doesn't read instructions and sends twenty minute videos when you're supposed to send five minute videos. They're, yeah, they're probably true, also yeah. approaching venues without uh marketing ideas. Um all right, so Vice Queen Roxy, were there any questions in the comments this time? No? 
this time. All right. A lot of people are shy out there, but we can see you out there watching. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, Rebecca, for stopping by and being part of this. You answered a lot Absolutely. of questions I think that a lot of comics have. Uh, Vice Queen and Roxy. If any questions do come up like later on uh -huh. or if somebody wants to approach me personally, I have absolutely I have no problem with that. Just put them in touch with me. Absolutely. And everybody who's out in Austin, uh, don't forget to uh, check out the Creek in the Cave out in Austin because it's open yeah. right now. Todd Glass is there this week. Um, I've been doing virtual comedy this past year. My last good tape was a year ago. Is it still better to send a tape from a live show? Personally, Rachel, I do think it is better to send a tape from a live show um, because it's very difficult to get an assessment. I, I've seen a couple of Zoom tapes and there's just not the same kind of life in them. You know what I mean? And I, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on Zoom. Like I am so happy that that was something that was available to comedians in this past year. And I don't have any, like, I think that it's great that comics pivoted and, and made those moves. And I, um, I applaud them for it because wildly uncomfortable in the beginning. And I imagine that when we start doing submissions again, um, I'm going to see an awful lot of those tapes. But I think ultimately, if you have a good tape for live, we are all... I feel like we've all agreed, bookers, agents, I feel like we've all agreed that this past year doesn't count. So if you have an amazing tape and you want to share it, that's totally okay. But when people tell me that there's seven years in a comedy, I go, you mean six. You know what I mean? Like, it's it just, it just does, it doesn't count. Like, we, we, we worked our asses off. Everybody created content. I built a venue. All this stuff is happening. But the truth of the matter is, is that everything was on a stop order. And a stop order is a stop order. So yeah. if... If you have something you think is amazing, sure, submit it. But if you have a, a really better live tape, I think that that's the best way to go. Um, yeah. And, and Rachel, I, if you need a live tape, come on down to Austin. I'll get you one. <laughs> and I also want to back that up uh, just from my point of view in that nobody is going to blame you for not having a live tape during the pandemic. Exactly. Like it just, it doesn't count. It doesn't. Um, so everybody out there, uh, thank you so much for checking out the show. Uh, big thanks to Vice Queen Roxy. Thank you, Rebecca Trent. I am Dean Victor Barnado. This is the Arts Academy Podcast. You can see us at Alt Arts Academy on all social media at artsacademypodcast.com. Thanks, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.